All right, as I said, uh, we'd already gotten into chapter 18 a little bit, uh, first uh, few verses there of Genesis, and, uh, and because it's been two weeks since I've taught this class, I wanted to make sure that we're all up on the same page as far as what's going on here. Uh, in the beginning of chapter 18, we have uh, the, the scene of Abraham sitting out uh, in, in his tent door underneath the terebinth trees uh, as he's in the heat of the day is what it says. And, and, and he looks out and he sees three men walking, uh, walking down, I don't know how far away it was or what have you, but ultimately it was far enough away to where uh, this man, even though he was 99 years old, uh, had ran to him and, 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 and bowed down to him and asked for them to come to his place that, that they may uh, be refreshed with food and, and get their feet cleaned up and, um, before they continue on their way. And so as they agreed to do this, uh, to come by, uh, they, they get back to his place, and Abraham goes inside and tells uh, his wife, Sarah, to make up some bread. And, you know, obviously, uh, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago when we was talking about this, it was a fair amount of it when we look at the amount of bread that they actually made, um, that there was more than just Sarah there making it. She had servants and everything. Whether or not Sarah even uh, lifted a hand for it, I don't know. It might have just been all her servants doing it. But anyhow, he gets the bread made. He goes out and kills a young calf uh, with some nice tender meat there and uh, gives it to a servant and have him uh, cook it up. He comes back and he lays it all out before these men. Uh, and verse 8 talks about how that he stood by them as they were eating. Um, now, I know that we went into chapter, or to verses 9 and 10 uh, two weeks ago, but I'm going to re-hit those because uh, I don't think that we completely talked much about that, and I can't remember 100% how much we talked about verses 9 and 10. So we're going to pick up there in verse 9 uh, as, as, they, as Abraham was standing by them he, as they were eating. Verse 9 and 10 says, <clears throat> Then they said to him, this is, uh, these men, as we and, and as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, these these men uh, were were angels, as we see it, and one of them being uh, a more superior, uh, whom we can, uh, whom is most likely uh, the pre-incarnated Christ, as we will see here in a little bit, as far as the authority that he speaks of, and uh, and how that there is definitely when we get on into uh, verses 16 and so on, we'll see that there is one that was specifically more uh, or higher, I guess you can say, than the other two. So <clears throat> we have one of them that's, that's uh, like I said, the pre-incarnated Christ and then other two angels. And um, speaking of, of this, it could have been that Abraham did not know uh, that these were uh, angels at the at the beginning when he first uh, 
had uh, had ran out to them. We don't know for sure. It doesn't uh, really make us uh, know that for, as far as confidence goes, um, whether or not he knew that they were angels or not. So, I mean, it, it could go both ways. He might have known it. He might not have known it. Don't know that for sure. But wanted to make sure that we were aware of that as well. So, like I said, picking up in verse 9, it says, Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. <clears throat> and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. So here we have uh, one of these angels speaking up and, and asking Abraham, you know, where is Sarah? And so he tells him, well, he's in, she's in the tent behind and, uh, <clears throat> and And like I may mention, uh, <clears throat> it's possible that he didn't know uh, that these were angels up to this point, but as we get on into this conversation, uh, it would have to be, known, uh, especially when we get on into, like I said, starting around verse 18, 19, somewhere around there, that Abraham knew exactly who he was talking to. Um, But as we go through this conversation, it's it's clearly going to be pointed out uh, who these men are, that they are from God. But in verse 10, uh, and one reason why I remember uh, we actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago is Jim had made the comment <clears throat> how that some commentaries want to sit, or think that the aspect here is the uh, returning according to the time of life, that this was uh, possibly a particular time as far as uh, the springtime specifically uh, when things were starting to renew and come alive again, uh, which I thought was interesting. I, I was unaware of that, but I appreciated him pointing that out, and uh, wanted to remind everyone of that as well. And the angel also proclaims and, and makes mention, says that you know, this time next year, ultimately, you're going to have, or you know, a, by the springtime, possibly, what have you, Sarah will have a, a son. And, uh, and as we're going to see, this was a, uh, Pretty amazing, seems the ages of Sarah and Abraham here. But at the verse, at the end of verse ten, we find that Sarah was listening in. That she was, I done lost my wording, but she was listening in. She was, she was wanting to see what they had to say. But starting in verse eleven, uh, eleven and twelve says, "Now Abraham and Sarah were old, <clears throat> well advanced in age." And Sarah <clears throat> had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. The scripture here goes uh, out of its way, in a sense, to sp- express the aspect of how old uh, Sarah and Abraham are, how that Sarah is well past the age of, of childbearing. That, um, that ultimately, from a human standpoint, this would be impossible uh, to happen. And which is why we might see Sarah laughing within herself 
saying, you know, really? At this point in time, am I really going to have a child, you know? Um, and just another thought here, though. <clears throat> in verse 12 there where it says, uh, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? Now, there's a couple of different thoughts here uh, from what I can find. Some people uh, seem to think that that could be uh, the fact that they've, that the intimacy uh, relationship there uh, between Sarah and Abraham may have already passed. Um, but honestly, I, and I mean, however you might want to look at it, I don't know, but I've always thought about it as far as uh, Sarah having pleasure as far as being able to have a child for Abraham. Um, if you remember back in, I want to say it's chapter 17, uh, Sarah had even made mention to Abraham, says, look, you obviously I'm not going to be able to produce a child for you, so here, take my servant Hagar. It was something that Sarah wanted to do. She wanted to, to give Abraham a descendant. <clears throat> uh, and like we've talked about many times is that this was something in this time period that was very important uh, for people to have a, a, a child, uh, especially a son, to carry on their name. Any thoughts or comments up to this point, by the way? Which, also something else that I forgot to bring up, Sarah laughing within herself. <clears throat> um, it's also interesting in the aspect of how that uh, Isaac's name, which is going to be their child's name here, uh, actually means laughter in the aspect of how that Sarah had laughed at the, the idea. And also Abraham, actually, in the chapter prior to this, uh, we find Abraham falling on his face laughing, laughing is, if I remember exactly uh, it's how it was worded. As we keep going, chapter, or verse 13 says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? By the way, this is one reason why I've always thought about it as far as Sarah thinking about her being ple having pleasure um, in her old age is because here we have uh, the Lord repeating back what Eric, Sarah has laughed within herself saying, and he's pointing out the fact of her bearing a child while she's old. Um, but just food for thought there. Continue on, it says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. And as we see uh, uh, here, the, the Lord also, or the men also point out the fact that nothing is too hard for the Lord, uh, even though that this was, you know, she's well past the age of childbearing, that this is truly not hard, too hard for the Lord, not to mention this also reaffirms the fact that there is no doubt that uh, they would know who these people are at this point in time that they are from God, knowing that, that 
they knew what Sarah had said uh, because she had said it within herself and that he, they had pointed it back out and how that she was in the tent and they were outside as well. Also, in verse 14, it talks about at the point of time, uh, I will return to you. And one of the thoughts that I, that I had read about as far as that at the appointed time, uh, speaking of how that this was a specific time uh, that was already set in place, and how that it was at this time that was that God had already appointed for Sarah to have this child way back when. This was a time that he had set in place uh, when he had promised a, a, a child to Abraham and Sarah that this was the time at the appointed time, which I thought was <clears throat> pretty interesting as well. But no doubt this would have increased uh, Sarah's faith, if nothing else, as she knew what she had done, how she had laughed and thought the things that she had thought, and then the uh, Lord pointing this out to her, saying, you know, why did you do this? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And, uh, and we see how that she was definitely afraid when he had pointed that out to her. She's like, no, I didn't laugh. And say, oh, no, but you did. <laughs> There's no doubt. You know, the Lord knows all, so you can't hide from anything from the Lord. But I feel like I've been rambling on for a while. Anybody have any thoughts or comments? Well, here in chapter 18, <clears throat> we have kind of a, of a twofold uh, thing going on here in chapter 18. You have these men walking along, and, and these men were on a mission uh, to some extent. They, had, uh, they were going to go by and visit Abraham and Sarah, and, um, and then they're going down uh, to, to the city of Sodom as we'll see in these next uh, few verses here. So starting in verse 16, we see something, you know, a, kind of a, a change of pace. You know, the, the next spot that they were going to be hitting uh, while they were on this journey, uh, these angels, that is. Verses 16 through 18, we find, Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great, mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. In these few verses, we find that change going on. You know, they stood up, they looked towards Sodom, indicating the direction that they were going to be heading towards. And then we find God explaining why he is going to let Abraham know about what is, or know about what is going to happen. Because he wanted Abraham to, to, to know what was going to happen so that he would see the importance of keeping his family Pointing to God, because as verse 18, it talks about how that Abraham shall surely become a great nation, a great and mighty nation, and nations and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And we all know how that was going to be uh, 
how all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him, uh, ultimately coming through the, the, the promise of the Christ <clears throat> that was going to be born from the lineage of Abraham and blessing all those nations. But it was important for Abraham to see uh, what happens if they continue, if they fall away from God and they uh, uh, get into uh, great sins, not saying that Abraham's lineage all held on to everything that God wanted them to do because obviously as we read through the Old Testament, we see many times where they were up on peaks and then down in the valley and, and uh, needed repentance. Uh, but as we read through, and especially when we get on into the next verse, we see the reason why God had even picked Abraham. <clears throat> but any thoughts or comments as far as these? Yes. I, I always looked at it as him pretty much talking within himself, you know, thinking to himself, shall I surely hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Um, yeah, well, that's when he's going to start talking to him. Actually, in verse 20, you had the, and the Lord said, and that's when the Lord's actually going to be talking to Abraham. In verse 19, it says, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. If you look at this closely, you can see why why God had chose Abraham. It says, for I have known him in order that he... Now... My version says may. Uh, if you look at the King James Version, I like the way that it's worded because instead of may, it says will. So it would read, in, in order that he will command his children and his household after him, uh, showing that Abraham would have that, that, that character, uh, at least in some point. We don't always see it, and especially when we get on into the next couple of in a couple of chapters, we, we'll see a little bit of a, fell, uh, a f- uh, fault of him as well. Once again, yes. Uh, and it says will direct, that he will. Right, chosen. That he was chosen and will uh, command his children. Yes, Jim? Okay, so the relationship that God and Abraham had uh, leading on into the reason on why God's going to continue to express what he's about to do as far as the, uh, the destruction of Sodom in a sense, but I haven't quite gotten to that point yet. Okay, so yada, yada, yada was the, was the expression. Well, I mean, I'm, the, uh, but that was talking about the intimate relationship they were having, that they had there together. Okay. Well, getting on into verses 20 and 21, verse 20 says, And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it, 
that has come to me, and if not, I will know. And as what Janice was saying here, this is where we, we find here in verse 20, and the Lord said, you know, so this is the Lord speaking to Abraham now, because the outcry of the, against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, here he is speaking to Abraham, uh, talking about the, the outcry of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and the sister cities around. <clears throat> and I always have found this passage interesting uh, in the first place because here we have, in, in, in all that's going to happen here as far as the angels going down into uh, the city of Sodom, physically going down into there and seeing out and, and seeing this, this outcry for themselves as far as what's going on. And the reason why I find this interesting is because, you know, this is, this is God we're talking about. You know, he's all-knowing. Uh, and, and as far as <clears throat> being able to look down and see what's going on and, and know what's happening. And, and what I'm trying to say is the reason why it's interesting to me is why would he need to send angels down there to really test out the waters, I guess you could say, as far as to, to try it out and say, well, you know, yeah, it is really this bad. Or, no, it's, you know, I don't think it's that bad. You know, <clears throat> why, would we, why do you think he might have wanted to do that, Jeremy? Going along that line, I, me personally, uh, just through some, and I don't know if there's really a right answer out there, honestly, but um, I feel like it's more of, of God's, showing his true uh, justice and righteousness and that he wanted to send people there showing his the, the human aspect to, of it, I guess you can say, as far as showing uh, that he went and, and, right, to go down there and uh, investigate. That was the word I was looking for, uh, to pretty much investigate everything, to showing that aspect of it. Jim? All right. Uh, as far as the outcry, the cry of the city, um, to, to yeah, I mean, y'all can feel free to disagree with me if you want, but as far as my thoughts on that was, obviously this wasn't the first time this would have ha- been happening as far as when the angels came down. So when people were passing through the city, uh, might have had other you know, righteous people coming through the city and this happening to it. And so we had the righteous outcry of those people and the uh, injustice that was done to them coming up to the Lord. Now, is that what she was trying to get at or, or thought about? The outcry demanding justice. Right, and I was actually going to flip over to Psalms chapter 34 and verse 17. It says, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of their troubles. So we have the, the, the crying out, how that the Lord hears that, the outcry of sin, and will deliver them out of their troubles as far as the righteous goes. Now, this is you know, a, a sinful city um, on many different aspects, but here we have uh, this the sinful city, and they're going down to, uh, like I said, investigate in a sense, 
uh, as far as what's going, what's happening. We have the interaction uh, of these angels within the city showing the justification of what God does to the city. So any other thoughts or comments before we keep going? I didn't mean to try to confuse you up or, or, or make anything confusing here, but we'll continue on. Uh, verse 22 <clears throat> says, Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. All right, so we have the two men, or two of the angels that was with with them, uh, with the Lord, had turned away and started heading down towards Sodom. And remember now, in the beginning chapter of this chapter, we have three walking where Abraham runs out to greet them. And here we have the two walking away, heading down towards Sodom, as Abraham standing there with the Lord. And if you look at the beginning of chapter 19, we have the two angels coming into Sodom. So we see that there's a, a, a split here. We have the, the Lord staying with Abraham as they're about to go through this conversation. And then we have the two angels going on down into Sodom. So just wanted to point that out. Yes, uh, Jeremy. Right. Well, we probably won't really get into that scenario until next week, on into uh, chapter 19. As a matter of fact, I can guarantee you we won't get into that until next week, <laughs> chapter 19. But, um, but yes, that, that's a very good point of how that it was, you know, many different aspects that's led it down to this point, not just one particular aspect or one particular sin that's led it to this point. Chapter, or verse, it hit 23 through 25. It says, and Abraham came near <clears throat> and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy 